On 11-16 SEN, the Four Diegos. G'day amigos and welcome to the Four Diegos here on 11-16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this uh, fine but cool Wednesday night, as you heard from Warren. Hey, and thanks to Matty Grandlin, uh, just on before the Diego's, of course. Fantastic show. And, of course, Zanners and Poltz on as well in the hour before the Diego's. Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Great to be here. Hello, yeah. listeners. Yes, good to see you. And Carlos Alberto Diego, welcome Hey, Rodrigo. Yes, good to see you. And welcome back to Warren, who's wearing a lovely scarf. What is it? It's a, it's a, a scarf. It's a memory of your... Uh, trip to the Merseyside Derby. It's yep. it's red and blue too. So it's uh, you, you're wearing both colours. Well, yeah, so welcome yeah. back. Warren. Yeah, no, it's good to be back, boys. And yes, I am. Um, I thought about maxing out on everything that I'd bought while I was over there, but just uh, bought in this memento, which is a really good idea for every home game at Liverpool. Half the scarf is obviously Merseyside red and Liverpool red, and the other half is the team that they play. So for the two teams, I went two games. I went to the Merseyside Derby against Everton and the game against Bournemouth. Got a scarf remember and it was um you sort of picture how things are going to be and it was even better than it, expected. it was a trip of a lifetime Warren. you've been talking about this yeah, yep. we've been long, doing long this show time. for 24 years <laughs> yes. uh, you've been talking about this ever since i've known you yes and you probably never thought you were going to do no, it no, but I you've didn't. done it for the half century birthday yes was it everything that you expected it to be yeah it was um it's funny, we got there so quickly and then we the, the next day we, we got there and it was the Friday night and the next day was the Merseyside Derby and we woke up and it was pelting with rain. And can I say to you, the first thing about <laughs> Liverpool, you know a place is cold when even the people that have lived there all their lives going, yeah, there's not much, <laughs> <laughs> the weather's not that good. But it fined up, but it was, it was just amazing. And um, the atmosphere, but even they talk about going to the ground and... Anfield is actually in the, the borough of Everton and I learned a lot about the history of the club. Everton was the first club and they went to Stanley Park and even walking down the narrow streets, getting to the ground, there's pubs literally on every corner and people stop and then the atmosphere around the ground because the one thing you realise is there's so many people that have travelled from within, in, within England and outside of England to go to a Liverpool game and do so for every game. So... It's just a melting pot of lots of different things. And the atmosphere, the stadium is small, compact for 55,000. You feel like you're on top. It was just an amazing experience. And Warren, when you walked into the pub and you ordered a Coke, <laughs> did it all go silent? <laughs> oh, I your way. <laughs> the funny thing is, Vinny, as far as communicating, I didn't feel like I was any better off than I was in Brazil because after the Scousers pretty much say hello, you're just nodding as if you understand what they're saying, which you don't really. But... Uh, no, it was a really good thing. And the one thing I will honestly say, Liverpool is a town of half a million people in the city of Liverpool and about a million people in the, the greater Merseyside, which is the other side of the river and stuff. But everything revolves around the football team. And I'm saying whether the blue or the red half, because the funny thing was we went and watched the Everton derby and then and the Merseyside derby, and that was great. And there's a friendly banter. There's families half blue, half red. But the funny thing is, Everton played Manchester United on the Tuesday night. So we went into a pub 
in the center of the city. And it was, and there was literally a bit like this German beer hall with these long bench seats and people sitting there drinking. And then you looked at the crowd and there was a whole lot of Everton supporters there, but there were a whole lot of Liverpool supporters barracking for Everton to beat Manchester United. <laughs> so it, yeah. the whole team, that town, and that's very different to London, which is a cosmopolitan city and there's support, but not like there is in in a town like Liverpool. Well, it's, mate, it's really good to have you back and we'll... Uh, no, it's not. It is. No, it, for me. It isn't well, that. There's been protests in the streets, not because you were missing, <laughs> just the thought you were coming back. <laughs> yeah, well... No, it's I good. did miss I did miss you guys, and I, I hopefully you like, you like your little memento. Oh, we and, do. Uh, Thanks for the key souvenir. rings. Yes, yeah. key rings. Well, uh, uh, let me describe this to all our <laughs> listeners out there. Uh, you would have paid all of what five pounds, 20, 20 sterling or something. Five like, pounds. Five pounds. Uh, it's a Liverpool logo on a big letter C. Yeah, yeah, yeah for, for Carlos. Carlos. Yeah, there you Vin, go. Vinny got. What did you get, okay. Vinny? You got, I got a v, v, thing with a V. <laughs> you just got a. I just got a. I just got a little logo. Couldn't find an R. Couldn't yeah. find an R. What about Pedro on the panel? He's yeah, a bit no, disappointed. No, he barracks for Melbourne Victory, so he, oh. he ain't getting anything. <laughs> hey, we've got a big show for you tonight. Give us a, a call if you'd like on nine four two nine eleven sixteen, or send us a text message on zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We've got Mike McGrath coming up a little bit later on, uh, and plenty to talk to Mike mm. about uh, tonight. Show is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing, and the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping. Thanks to our sponsors. Asian Champions League game tonight. Brisbane Raw defeated Kashima Antlers, which is a fantastic win. 2 1. They played absolutely exceptional football tonight. Jamie uh, McLaren scoring a fantastic goal. And Brett Holman scored yeah. a, a nice reflex goal. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, you know, it wasn't so long ago. Remember that it was the darkest day yeah, in Australian football history? It was mentioned on the commentary tonight, actually, about the fact that uh, it, it just, was all doomed. Talk work. about overreaction. And I think we said it too that, you know, it was just one set of results. They happened to be back to back. They were heavy losses, I remember, but they certainly weren't the darkest day, especially with uh, with Adelaide performing so well last night away from home, uh, beating uh, Jeju. Uh, Jeju, yeah, Jeju. They, they won. They won three one. Absolutely night. away from home, and mm. uh, and also the performance of Brisbane tonight. And I thought, as much as Kashima Antlers are a very good side, I thought Brisbane were just as good tonight in their own way and uh, and created a lot of chances. So. You know, this whole thing about doom and gloom about Australian football, I'm not saying we're great, but when it's not a, you know, we certainly haven't had the darkest days playing no. in this Asian Champions League. I think it was a bit of an overreaction a few, you know, a few months ago now. Look, it was fairly significant. Now, FC Seoul defeated uh, Wanderers last night 3 2 as well. Now, I'm going to ask, I'm going to be making statements that are actually questions. Is Jamie McLaren still playing shop window football? <laughs> because I haven't paid much attention in the last couple of weeks. Well, he was because Ange was in the grandstand oh, okay. tonight. But what about club shop window football? Well, well, he still hasn't signed. Apparently, with Raw. sorry, he hasn't signed yet. No, absolutely, he's uh, he's he's winding down his contract. Yep, uh, and he'll be a free agent at the end of the season. And apparently, his uh, agent, Paddy Dominguez. Yeah, one of the one of uh, uh, former one of Diego's. Yeah, yeah, yeah former Diego. Right. Uh, Paddy Dominguez <laughs> has come out and said that uh, there's 80 clubs around Australia and around the world. 80, 80, 80, 80 <laughs> That's clubs. A fair number. Keen. Uh, how, do you, how do you whittle those down, Carl? It's got to be money, really. I mean, well, of course you've got to. You know, it's like you know, going for a job interview. That's and, right. Uh, yeah, sorry, you, you're do interviewing people. You do a phone people. screen first of yeah, all of them. You probably look at their Facebook pages. <laughs> that's right. LinkedIn. And, yeah, get rid of all that first. Uh, do the Google Snapchat, search. Are they the eighty clubs he's actually sort of circled? Apparently, according to his agent, there's eighty clubs, eight o clubs who are interested in uh, McLaren, and um, and yeah, uh, look, I suppose. Do you count 
you know, the fourth division industrial league in Tasmania. I'm not sure. Well, Tranmere <laughs> Rovers, who are going quite well, they're looking for a striker because they're actually looking to go back up into the into the Premier, into the into football league. Yeah. So they'll is go. He, is okay. he, has he got Scottish heritage? But he... Yes, he, he actually right. played. Rangers probably. He actually he? Uh, played youth football for Scotland. Scotland. Uh, not a lot of games, but he played for Scotland. I think yeah. one or two games. Uh, but then he declared his allegiance to Australia, which is mm. fantastic. Uh, just really interesting because there's been a lot of criticism of Ange Postacoglu not selecting him in the last Socceroo squad for the um, for the uh, Iraq game and also the uh, UAE game. Mm. And you know, and, and the fact that they're going with a Tommy Urich instead of say Jamie McLaren. But for me, he's almost like a Scott McDonald. And not talking about his goals per game average, but Scott McDonald used to be a player used to thrive running towards goals. You know. Being given given room, playing off the shoulder of a centre half or a defender, and uh, and running forward towards his own goals, that's where he, his strength was. But someone like uh, you know Jay, uh, Tommy Rooch is is probably a more international type striker in that he can play with his back to goal, bring other people into the game, and then you know scrap for a goal in the penalty area. Jay McLaren's not great with his back to goal, and so he's not one of these strikers you can hit his feet. He lays it off to someone else. And then he moves forward. He has to almost be running towards his own goal when when he uh, you know when he get, receives the ball. So I think that's maybe why Ange is and given that you you don't go with ten strikers or five strikers in your squad these days, you go with probably two or three, and you get a lot of the goals from your midfield. That's probably why he's probably thinking twice about playing or even selecting him. Victory go with one. Has <laughs> to go with Bessie. Yeah, but I mean, victory go with the three up front. Yeah, and if if they ever, except for George Howard who plays that central role, if you if you're really at, at a stretch, you probably play two up front with Rojas and Ben Calfala or Austin if you had to play the two up front. Uh, so they really do go with three type strikers who score goals, but of course they got that one central mm. and two wide. They're very different games to watch these Asian Champions League games, no matter whether the Australian teams are playing. Like I try to watch them, but I don't find them anywhere near as enjoyable I think it's as a, an A-League game. They're a different game. It's a different yeah. game. Is it, sl- is oh, it slower? I quite, I quite enjoyed tonight's game, I've got to say. Yes. When, when Kashima Antlers put some you know, passes yeah. together there in the second half late, uh, they were really I good. I don't think they like your, the Australian pitches anywhere near as much as they like the Japanese yeah. pitches. Yeah, it that wasn't pitch so was good. pretty ordinary again tonight. Yeah, I, I watched the second half too. I thought yeah. it was a really good contest in yeah. that second half. I quite enjoyed it. And I, I just think it's the amount of people in the stadium too. I mean, the other night, I think Adelaide only drew 3,000 people. But that uh, happens overseas too, doesn't it? I'm not, they don't draw huge crowds yeah, for those midweek games as well. Yeah, but... Like, if it's a Liverpool, look, Liverpool, if it's a Champions League night at Liverpool, yeah, yeah, they'll get, fill it. Yeah. But if it's, I don't know, Leicester would fill it. I, look, I, I think generally those big games midweek, they still fill them at those stadiums. But, yep. you know, I, I, it, it, look, the Asian Champions League hasn't captured the imagination of Australians. And uh, I'm hoping one day it will because then every game's important. Mm. So, um, but I don't know what the crowd was tonight, but yeah, it didn't look, it, didn't look it, probably more, not more than 10,000. No, no, sure. actually, Cashmere Antlers had some, uh, <laughs> some of the more vocal supporters yeah. there. But, um, boys, let's just get into some other topics. Uh, let's start with, with Ange. Is it any surprise to anyone in this room that Ange has said that he's going to be moving on after the next World Cup? I, thought, I always thought, I kind of assumed that that would be the case. Well, look, I, I, where do you go after you win it, Rodrigo? <laughs> when you where win the World Cup? You, you, you've got to just... 
go to new pastures, so it makes sense that Ange wants to move on. Yeah, now look, obviously he, he made that comment at uh, a speaking engagement, uh, asked the question, and uh, you know it was it was fairly decent news there for for 24 hours or so. But but I thought he, I don't know if he publicly came out and made that comment, but he alluded to it a, a few times. Mm. He, he wants to coach in Europe, doesn't he, or overseas anyway? Well, I think um, I think it's probably natural timing to get to the World Cup and then finish off. And I don't know, Ange talks about the development of world football, and I mean, football in Australia, and I would have thought that it's going to be a perfect time to hand over to one of a large number, perhaps the largest number of Australian-based good candidates that we may have ever had in terms of, you know, their credentials and their ability to do the job. So maybe in the spirit of that, he's able to move on and play um, coach club football. And we're going to be in a great position to have the next coach come from a group of Australian coaches that are tremendously well credentialed. So I think the timing's perfect. I, but I think, Ange, as far as the modern way of playing the game uh, that's accepted at the highest level, uh, you know, the possession game, pressing in your own half, pressing high, uh, playing three at the back now, he's graduated to that. I think he's far ahead than every, any other coach, including Popovich, including Graham Arnold, and being able to tap into the squad he's got. And this, let's face it, the squad he's got right now are young enough to be the squad for the next coach and probably the next coach after that. So um, I don't know whether there's anyone close to Ange Postacoglu as far as philosophy and implementing that philosophy, uh, but Ange is a sort of bloke, and we've seen it, who really rates himself as a coach. And is uh, a bloke who, because um, he... He keeps on saying he wants the players to challenge themselves and, you know, uh, compare themselves to some of the great players overseas and be that sort of player. I think for him to say that to the players, he has to act like that as a coach. Yeah, so he, he probably rates himself that he would be a, a coach that could probably coach in the EPL one day or in the Bundesliga or, you know... You know so he other... should, really. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, we, yeah. Need, we need a coach that actually is of that... Yeah. ...is of, you know, that ilk because... I mean, I think you were the first one I heard say this, Carlos, that uh, the biggest ego in that dressing room has to be the coach. Yeah, even if it's, it doesn't have to be a loud ego. No, no, no. But it no. has to be the bloke who's in total control. Absolutely. And the players have to know that he's in total control. I'm not talking about a dictator here. I'm talking about a person where the players look at him and say, you know, this guy's going to solve our problem. We've got to, we, you know, we've had a bad first half, or we've had a bad game, but this guy's going to solve our problem because I have faith in this bloke. And when you've got, you know, millionaires in that change room, and the Australian, you know, Socceroos have got millionaires in that change room even Same. now. Yeah. And uh, and they've played under many different coaches, and probably they're not short of a, of an opinion about coach either. So um, so I think he's at the moment got the players' faith. Uh, you know, we've interviewed a lot of these players in the last six months or so, and all of them don't doubt what Ange is doing at all. So I think, and I don't think he's a ranter and raver, but I think he, he, he's got the players playing for him, and that's a big secret of managing at that top level nowadays. Do you think that uh, there's a particular goal he's set for himself that, and that if he doesn't reach it at the next world? So presumably, I would anticipate that his goal would be we've got to get out of the group stage. And if we don't do that, will it be a case of, well, I haven't quite achieved everything I wanted to, but I'm going to move on anyway, or I'm going to stick around for one more tour of duty just to see if I can achieve that? Or do you think, Ange, the other scenario that's quite possible is 
I, I want to you know, put dip my toes into managing overseas, but then I might come back to the Socceroos and sort of tick that one off my bucket list at some point. Yeah, I reckon with Ange, it's more about the process and the philosophy. The fact that he's implementing this philosophy that no one else, Pim Verbeek, had no real faith. Um, Ossiek. Holger Osiek towards the end didn't have any faith in our players. Uh, some, you know, some. I think I told you the story. Yes. Warren, you weren't around, but one Socceroo told me, part of the golden generation, that Gus Hiddink was the reason why they didn't go further and win that World <laughs> Cup in 2006. And he wasn't, he wasn't jesting. He was serious because he said Gus got the best out of individuals, but he really didn't believe in the team that they could go beyond Italy and, and do what they needed to go far in that tournament. So Ange Postacoglu is a guy who's actually telling our players that you're as good as anyone. Our way of playing is as good as anyone. And he's really challenging everyone. And I think whatever happens, even if they don't qualify, he has enough faith in himself to, hmm. to almost within himself say, well, you know, I didn't fail. I've just tried to change the culture and the way we look at the Socceroos. And I think it's more of that, that sort of a, you know, a philosophy he's going for rather than how far we're going to go in the World Cup. He's saying, why, why aren't we thinking about winning the World Cup? Which sort of shocks people. But at the same time, he may not even get to a World Cup. But I think he himself would say, I've been a success. So, Carlos, standing or sitting right here right now, Ange finishes. Who's the next coach of the Socceroos? Right here, oh, yeah. right now. It's got to be Popovich. Um, and, and Popovich is... Does he sh- take it, do you think? Oh, he'll take it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What about Graham Arnold? Would he... Because he's been in the setup, you know, for quite a lot... Well, he had yeah. been for a long time. Yeah. No, it, it's a good one because... He's got better with time, but he's had his moments. Like he had an awful season last season mm. with Sydney, and he was almost sacked last season. So um, they've had a particularly good year, but Tony Popovich has shown, and I'm not saying he's as good as Ange Postacoglu, by the way. I think he's got a lot to learn still. Uh, but, you know, he's shown in his five years of being there at Wanderers that he can create winning teams from average players. Uh, he's won an Asian Champions League. He's been in three grand finals out of the five years. The history of Wanderers have been in three grand finals out of five years. It's pretty good. And Josip Gombau's in the mix as well. I was going to say, does it does <laughs> Maybe it not. does it matter now? Like if if Andrew's had the influence that we hope and think he has had in that he's he set up a new culture and a and a different philosophy. Can we now uh, appoint a foreign coach and put those directives in place for them as well? Saying okay. You're here, and on our terms, this is what we want. This is how you're going to nurture a team. Yep. This is our vision, and you meet our KPIs rather than yep. set set them based on your own experiences. Can we do that yeah, now yeah. because of the age factor? Vinny, that's a great point. I think what Ange has shown is this whole idea if a foreign coach comes in, and I think the next coach has to be the best coach available. It doesn't have to be Australian. It has to be the next coach available. I hope it's Australian, but Ange has set the bar now. And for a foreign coach to come in and say, oh, I don't want to play any A-League players, I don't think they're good enough, well, that's garbage because Ange Postacoglu has shown uh, that you know you play Aaron Moy and he could become a great player for the Socceroos and become a great player overseas also. So, um, so I, I think that now he's changed things forever and the FFA have got to learn from this and not be hoodwinked by these coaches that come from overseas and, and say the Australian players aren't good enough. Interesting topic. Got plenty more to talk about on the Four Diego's. Let's take a break now and come back with more on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. 
Football is like a religion to me. I worship the ball and treat it like a god. Too many players think of a football as something to kick. They should be taught to caress it and treat it like a precious gem. This has been a hot and sweaty, but strangely arousing Pelé moment by the Four Diegos. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night. Really appreciate your company. Uh, we had a good conversation about Ange Postacoglu, but uh, boys, what about the uh, Champions League, the UEFA Champions yeah. League? Uh, Juventus defeated Barcelona 3-0, Vinny Venezuela. Juventus owned Barcelona, Rodrigo. They owned them. Bar- Barca, I don't even know that they knew that where they were. They, they certainly didn't turn up well. Messi turned up. No one else did. Jeez. Barcelona, poofed. That's what I say. <laughs> Tony and Cranbin was very, very keen for us and to talk about this. And we were, Tony, but uh, I appreciate your, your passion. It's interesting because I got a bit of an education on continental football when I was there because there's so much of it on. <laughs> Barcelona weren't going that well. They lost to Malaga a couple of days before 2-0 and were soundly beaten. It was a game I watched from start to finish. I wasn't surprised, but uh, Dybali, the new Messi. Dybala. Dybala. Dybala, the new Messi. Like his left foot. Not quite. His left He's foot good, was though. outstanding. And I would have to say, and I think the general consensus is of the continental teams, excluding English teams, of course, I think Juventus are the best, almost now the best team in the world, possibly. The world? Ooh, that, well, the best oh, team in Europe? No, so if they win the Champions yeah, League. If they win the Champions think, League, yeah. they will be. Look, only they Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. I mean, but they're up Juventus there. Juventus have closed that. They're right in that conversation oh, yeah, but now. I think Juventus have been have suffered. Their image has suffered because the Italian city A has yep. really dropped in the rankings of European football. And but uh, they've won but, the last five or so. Yeah, and they've been yeah. so much better but, than anyone else. But they've been pretty good in Champions League. They go quite deep into that com- uh, competition, even. Over the last 10 years, whenever they've qualified, they've gone quite deep. And this is a, a, a team right now playing so well with Max uh, Emiliano Allegre, their, their manager. He, he's a guy that uh, has got them playing so well and so consistently at the moment that they can go ahead and probably go and win this now. Because the Real Madrid, you know, is not the Real Madrid's... Uh, the great, it's not one of the great Real Madrid teams. They're doing okay, but they're not one of the greats. Bayern Munich, it's hard to measure because they're killing it in the Bundesliga. But, you know, they lost against Hoffenheim. No, uh, yeah, Hoffenheim a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yep, yep. So, you know, you don't know how good they are when they're, because they're dominating Bundesliga. It doesn't mean that they're going to be dominating Champions League mm-hmm. either. So Juventus is showing everything at the moment. That's but, for sure. But they're also smart on the business side. They, sold, they bought Pogba, Pogba for cheap. Sold him for the record ever and banked most of that money. Banked most of that money. No, in they, no they bought Higuain. Yeah, but for, for 90. Half, for half. No, that. for 90 million euros. Yeah, yeah, but apparently they're, all the reading I'm doing, Carlos, and now I'm an expert on continental <laughs> yeah, football. Because you're in the area. Yeah, I was in the area. Yeah, That's yeah, the only reason I was yeah. interested. No, so he doesn't mention You might even make place. it down to Ligon Street one of these yeah. days, Warren. But, but you don't even mention his name. It, it, no one, no player's name. In no, the no, I don't know their names. I'm just watching. But <laughs> apparently, they're ready to they're ready to go after big names again. Got money in the bank, so they're yeah. a serious team. Two things: Buffon kisses Iniesta when they do the handover of the little gift at the start of the game. I thought that was lovely. <laughs> yeah, because he's just he's a lover of the game and lover of all all all, all people who play the game. And then he saved like, yeah. to deny Iniesta the you know 
the, the reflex. The, the reflex save was sensational. So yeah, great stuff. Well uh, deserved win. Good stuff to uh, to see. Obviously, Atletico Madrid and Leicester City and Bayern Munich and Real Madrid overnight as well. Of so, course, Dortmund in uh, the Monaco game was postponed till tonight. I think we'll, tomorrow we'll talk morning. to Mike McGrath a bit about that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, you're really tragic. Uh, no, no one died, which no. is great, but uh, really horrible. Pretty scary scenes stuff. There. Yeah. Uh, just quickly on, uh, on people are saying, well, Barcelona came back in the second leg against PSG. True. And overturned that huge deficit from the first leg. No way this time. There's no way they're going to no do way. it against the Italians. There's no way. They defended so well. As I said on uh, Francis Leach's show today, every Italian is born a centre-half. Everyone. <laughs> Mothers, daughters, grandmas, they're all centre-halves, right? And then they develop into other players and other, you know, they work in other areas Neymar of Neymar was neutralised. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Mm. There's no way. In fact, Juve's saying, bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. Because they love these situations. Never underestimate Barcelona, Carlos, but uh, Marie is very happy that uh, she says, Hi, guys, it was great to see Barcelona lose uh, in UEFA, go Real, go Real Madrid in the morning. So, mm. uh, hey, uh, Scott has called us in uh, from Craigieburn. G'day, Scott. Welcome to the show. Good evening, amigos. How are we? Yeah, very well, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Let's not get too carried away with uh, Juventus yet, mate. I think uh, Newcastle and Central Coast Mariners might finish mid-table in the Serie A. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, um, just like to thank you guys for the luncheon the other day. Nice to meet Carlos. Yes, it was good to meet you too, Scott. And it was a lovely, lovely three-course meal, wasn't wasn't it? Oh, it was magic, mate. Um, mm. you, were, you were like the rooster in the hen house, mate, strutting around. <laughs> Did he even say hi to you, Scott? Well, it does help when you actually introduce yourself to me, mate. I so did, mate. the first five minutes I was there, I said, "G'day, mate, I'm Scott." Yeah, I thought you were a click, you know. I thought you were more than known me, voice. That's all right, mate. Um, that was a good day, and thanks very much to the FFE yeah. community and business uh, guys. They were fantastic. Um, a bit disappointed, by when I was set up, watched the uh, the Liverpool Everton game on TV. I was looking for me sign everywhere. I didn't see it, mate. I was no, no, Scotty. What's going on in Craigieburn? Yeah, Burn? no, I, I was prevented from getting onto the ground by these marshals that had. I had the sign, though. Thanks for um, saying hello, and I did have a good time, if you did want to know. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I missed you at the luncheon. It would have been an absolute pleasure to meet you. And I, unlike Carlos, if I was there, I would have given you a fair, decent crack of time, even though I <laughs> don't have a common opinion about anything with regards to football than you. But I would have given you a decent crack of time. Scotty, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What do you make of uh, Victory's most recent form? Uh, yeah, not the best, but I thought our game on the weekend looked like we were getting, getting back into it until uh, Georgeski got sent off. Um, I thought we defended really well, actually. Um, yeah, we did that well. Broxham was we, sensational. We probably, we probably created the most chances during the game. Um, but, yeah, it's still a bit worrying at the moment. And come on, Warren, mate, we're both Liverpool supporters. What do you mean we've got nothing? Oh, that's true, but... Now I'm back in Australia, your victory, and I'm City. And actually, I don't know. I haven't looked at the ladder. Can City still get second spot? No. No. No, we can't? Not, not unless no. it's a 12-pointer. <laughs> can we have a 12-pointer? <laughs> no, okay, that's fine. Okay. You really okay. did lose touch, didn't you? Yeah, I have not paid much. Actually, no, in all honesty, I have paid a bit of attention. Not good, good for watched, you. Um, watched highlights of a few of the games while I was over there. So oh, there you go. go. Mm. I was only watching City, of course. They had a beautiful, comprehensive 1-0 victory against Adelaide. <laughs> Hey Scott, thank, thanks for your thanks for your call, mate. Uh, and uh, yeah, good good on you for for winning that prize, community and business. So um, yeah, I really appreciate that, um, C- Carlos and boys, because Carlos mentioned it before. Mm. Um, we're talking about Ange and being you know the the best coach in Australia. Roy Hodgson 
the former England coach, uh, Warren, in, and Vinny, he's at... Uh, He's actually at Melbourne City acting as a mentor. Right now? Right now. Right now. Mentoring He's probably what? listening to us right what's he, now. What's he well, mentoring? Well, he's mentoring Michael Valkanis, one would assume, but also... On what? On coaching, Okay. one would assume. <laughs> no worries. That's fine. Just giving him some it, advice. It, does that kind of... How does that make a guy like Michael Valkanis feel? And and how, what about the players viewing this? How, how, does, how does it change the dynamic in, in the change rooms? For me, or does the, minute, it? the minute, I mean, I don't know why the club, and Melbourne City's done things well this year by way of the perception they're getting, the message they're getting out there create perceptions about the club. I think the City Group have done a really great job setting up Melbourne City and resourcing it and doing the best they can. But this, they've got this one wrong, and not because Roy Hodgson's here helping out this young coaching staff, but why do they have to publicise it? Mm. What, I mean, he could be working behind the scenes there, you know, he could have even done Skype calls with, you know, Volcanus. But I think what this, what one thing I can guarantee, guys, if a senior coach of Melbourne City needs a mentor, that guy there is only a caretaker coach, and he will not be coaching next year as a senior coach. He may well be an assistant coach, but he's not going to be a senior coach. If are we but, surprised by that part of it, though, Carlos? But what I'm surprised more. I'm not surprised by that part, but I'm surprised more that. That for me, it's almost undermining Mike Volcanis's position in that change room by admitting to the world he needs a mentor. Now mm. I know even the best coaches probably have mentors, mm. but they don't publicise no, it. I, I can't see the point of that myself. Yeah, no, and and look, and I'm sure Roy Hodgson's sharing great stories and great advice. But why do you have to undermine? And this is how I felt. Has when he I, been at games? Or we haven't seen no, him. No, he was there for the first time on the yeah. weekend. And they won. And maybe what he said helped out. But what's it look like to the players that the guy who's in the change room, who I've got complete faith in what he's doing, needs a mentor or you know, needs someone guiding him at this time of the season? Do you think Timmy Cale really would be respecting that? I'm not quite sure he would. So, Or Bruno Fornaroli? You know, these coaches, any coach worth his salt at the top, top level would not would be, would be a bloke who'd want the authority and not to be seen as needing help from anyone. They could have just as easily said he's here for some engagements with yeah. the organisation. They didn't yeah. have to say he's here to mentor. Yeah, I, I, be, thought, I thought they got that wrong. I might be naive, but, but it could, could it legitimately be a bit of um, professional development for Michael Valkanis to have someone like Roy Hodgson you know, stand side by side with him, uh, and, and I know it's public, but but that's unfortunately no, that's... professional development. I have no problem with that. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, having a mentor in the background where you can go to, uh, but publicly, I uh, think well, it's not the, a great look. It, publicly, yeah, it's obviously. it's a, it's the authority to you know lead, the coach is the leader of the club in the in the public to the fans to the players um, every to the staff and. When you've when Roy Hodgson comes in and is so public that these guys have to go to him and seek his advice or whatever because he's not here not to be not to be giving advice, I think that that undermines that coach. And I know that that's not the that's not the intention here, but that's a public perception I got. Mm. And if I got that, I'm pretty sure a lot of other people would have got that too. Interesting stuff. And hey. I can guarantee Mike Volcanis will not be the senior coach of Melbourne City next year because they, they won't be hiring a coach that needs a guy to come over from overseas to mentor him. But if it helps them win, if 
Well, hire Roy Hodgson. True. But Michael Valkanis he may is still actually, he may actually, actually, Oh, that's right. He no, may I, actually, I actually think that, that could be in the mix. That, that could be in the mix. He might be here just to suss things out in that respect. Maybe. We never know. Hey, let's take a break and come back with more of the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. In the language of soccer, resign is a code word meaning the coach was given a choice of quitting, being fired, or having the fans blow up his house. To all you coaches out there, happy coaching. We are the Four Diego's. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us here on the Diego's. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you and uh, Vinny Warren's here and Carlos Alberto Diego. Now it's time to uh, get on our skates and go to the UK and catch up with our man from The Sun in the UK, thesun.co.uk, if you want to check out Mike's writings. Mike McGrath, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's nice to have you along uh, tonight. Hey, Mike, just want to quickly... Um, ask you about obviously with uh, the Dortmund situation in Germany with the, the explosions of some pipe bombs um, on as the players are on their way to, to the stadium in their Champions League game against Monaco. We know that uh, Mark Bartra has got a broken wrist and some shrapnel wounds. Uh, have you got an update or the latest on, on the situation there in, in Germany? Well obviously it's um, they're going ahead with the game tonight replaying it um, and uh, I think there's been a lot of uh, the groundswell of support for, for everybody in the city, people trying to um, house uh, some of the travellers which have been um, uh, which, which have travelled over for the game. So what it really has done is just brought into kind of sharp focus how kind of um, you know how, how it really has been a reality check. I think the fact that this is our competition that that four of our clubs play in every year. Um, and that, you know, after the Westminster attacks um, fairly recently in London as well, it seems that, you know, that, that security really is a big, big issue um, that, that people are focusing on at the moment. Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, having been to games in England, albeit, five, you know, the, late, the, the last time was there was about four or five years ago, but uh, they do lock off a lot of the streets leading up to grounds uh, from memory. Uh, so you probably wouldn't have the you know anyone who wanted to cause harm to anyone with a with a vehicle probably wouldn't get the opportunity uh, at most EPL grounds anyway Premier League grounds. Uh, do you see? Have you seen? Because football crowds not just in stadiums but also just getting to the grounds in the tube stations, walking to grounds. There's big numbers of people. Do, have you seen an increase in security just in the Premier League games or any Championship games? over the last couple of years? Not really. Not. I mean, what happened was after the Paris attacks and then the Westminster attacks, there was a real focus on it. Well, around Wembley, because games at Wembley shortly after those two incidents. So you saw what we what we called in the paper, I suppose, a, a ring of steel around, um, around the ground. And it really was tough to get through without, you know, real... Um, severe security checking bags and, um, and and that was fantastic but in terms of um, Premier League games I think it's you know for me it's still the same the the uh, the, the, the underground is pretty much the same there's no special service or anything because it's a football game so I think it probably is something that, that is going to have to be looked at and obviously the, the 
backdrop to this is it really costs a lot of money to, to put on games purely as well, um, which clubs have to put the bill as well for the, for the extra policing. So these things all have to be taken into consideration. And, um, and it seems... I, I, I can see in the future that it could be a lot... Uh, that, that it could be a lot more tighter to get into grounds um, because when you say the grounds get shut off, they do, but I think that's more of a traffic issue rather than a security issue. Mike, uh, Vinny here. I've got a question. We, we, we often speak about winning ugly, but with us in Wenger, is it going to be a case of retiring ugly? Because at the moment, the, the guy can't pull, pull a trick. Yeah, it's... I suppose it's almost a bit like you know 1997 all over, uh, 1996 all over again when he arrived and people were saying that this is who is this guy? This is, this is and and people didn't give him a chance. At the moment, he's not been really given much of a chance, and and the proof is in the results. You know, it's been a terrible few months for Arsenal, but it's not just the results either. There's some clubs like Man U have not had great results, but it's what they see on the pitch at Old Trafford isn't too bad, but at, at Arsenal, I, I sometimes I can't believe what I'm seeing. Um, just just so weak from front to back. The Just a kind of weakness that I've never seen in a, in, in a supposedly top four club, um, and I just can't see them getting out of it at the moment. They can pick up wins at home, but once they come up against anything remotely like... Um, a team that's that's not going to roll over for them. It's it's tough, and I, I just think um, it's going to take some. It's going to have to change. Something's going to have to change. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be. Do you reckon they're going to lose Sanchez? I do. Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, it probably makes sense. I mean, he's in my opinion, he's not much of a team player at the best time anyway. So he's a such an individual great player. He's, he can win games on his own. I mean, we've seen some pretty poor body language from him. With a year to go, I think... You know, I mean, they did it with Van Persie, obviously, when he had a year to go. Um, uh, Fabregas, they sold. So I can see him... I can see him go. Some really interesting um, uh, reporting over the last 24 hours uh, from our Manchester City reporter. I think maybe one or two others working on the story as well, saying that Man City are definitely interested in him. Uh, which has been published over here. Um, I think that'd be that's a really interesting move for him um, to, to be reunited with Pep Guardiola. Really fits as well. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think he will probably go in the summer if I was going to if I was going to have that on it. Mike, um, it's Warren here. Having just returned from the UK, I'm happy to say that I read your articles and they are all fine. And I found it very hard to choose which paper to read. Actually, on a on a Sunday after the game, then I went to the went to the news agency in in London. I didn't know which paper to choose, but I chose all of them and and read. I'm interested. Warren hasn't discovered the internet yet. No, no, I haven't. <laughs> the, the old fashioned papers, and there's He's lots fine. in there's lots in England, which is fantastic. I was going to ask you. I think one of the issues with Arsenal is the fact that a lot of their fans look at all the signings that Arsene Wenger's made, Monreal, and you know you go on. They just haven't improved, and they. You, I think you're right in saying that the team on name on the paper is just a, a shadow of in comparison to the other teams in the top four or five in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely the worst of that, that bunch. Right? 
But even so, there are clubs that show a bit of fight, and, and Arsenal have got absolutely... Even when they beat West Ham, they weren't celebrating goals. They got results against City and weren't celebrating goals. You think, what, what's going on behind the scenes there? And you can only say that, that they're a team which perhaps are waiting for something to happen before they really start to um, to, to really put, a, put an effort in because it's just uh, it's horrendous at the moment for them. Um, no. And like I say, nowhere, no, nowhere for them to go at the moment. Now, um, Claudio Ranieri had his first interview on Sky before the, the Monday night game, before the... Um, the Arsenal game, I think it was. It might have been the Sunday. I've got my days confused. But he was on Media Street before then. I think he was at uh, he was at Chelsea's game and he was at a few others. What do you read of the of the first public comments that he's made and alluding without dobbing anyone in that somebody was behind the scenes undermining him? Yeah, it was absolutely you know, fascinating viewing. It was Monday night before the Arsenal game. Um, and fair to to the guys on Sky Sports who didn't pull punches with the questions they asked and the questions that, that needed to be asked. Um, and he did say that something that... Now, he ruled out the players, which obviously contrary to um, some of the reporting that, from what we're hearing, that there were players that were against him. But interestingly, that there were people um, at the club who were against him, you know, and that doesn't... Um, that doesn't really narrow down much, really, because uh, it does narrow down because there's, you know, there's, there's the owners there. Whether whether they whether they felt that he took too much credit, I don't know. Some of the and, and there's the coaches as well. So he he certainly feels that he's been betrayed by somebody there. That was a, definitely the, the biggest um, point that you take from that interview um, before the game on Monday. Mike, uh, of course, Leicester have gone on since he left and, and had a good run in the league. They lost on the weekend, but they've got the big game, Champions League game uh, against uh, Atletico Madrid in Spain tomorrow morning, our time. Um, is there a sense that they might cause a bit of an upset over there because they'll be very hard to beat at King Power Stadium in the return league? Well, I think the sense over here is that that is probably a bridge too far for them. That Atletico, you know, Griezmann, among the other fantastic players that they have probably are going to be too strong. But my opinion is, you know, that they have done so well so far and this is you know, Atletico won't have played anything wouldn't have played anything like um this style of play before. So they've got every chance. I think the message that they should probably be giving to the players is keep it tight like the Seville game. Keep it you know, one nil defeat, not too bad, two one defeat really quite happy with that. Um, the draw would be you know, incredible to take them back to the King Power and, and try and roll them over there. Well, I can't wait for that, uh, Mike. Um, as Carlos said, morning our time. Hey, thanks for your time tonight, Mike, and uh, we'll catch you again very soon. No problem. See you soon, guys. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Let's take a break and come back with a little bit more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. Yes, thanks for your company tonight. Just a little bit more of the Diegos. Of course, A-League action this weekend on Friday night. Good Friday, Melbourne victory in Settle Coast Mariners. And, of course, the Diegos are on for a final whistle on Good Friday. We're yep. coming in. Penalty race, Carlos. Is it? <laughs> a reprise of the show. It's a reprise. Well, <laughs> we, you know, it might be a bad Friday for victory fans. That's true. It's no. Be, uh, no, Vinny, Vinny's confident. 
nothing less than three goals in the back of that net will yeah. will satisfy any victory fan. There you go. There you I, go. I think they've got to do it playing champagne football. Or do they, Vinny? Because, of course, they're second and they have the first week of the finals off. So maybe they don't want to be playing too well on Friday night. Just get the win. Go in. Have the week's break. Make people forget about how good you are. Then come back. And just completely slaughter someone. No, I disagree. I think you just got to yeah. be at the top of your game. Yeah, yeah. winning well, form is good yeah. form, Vinny Venezuela. So looking forward to that. We're on at ten on uh, after the game on Friday night. So make sure you uh, listen and, and call in. We'd love to take your calls on that night. Warren, welcome back. Melbourne yeah, City take back. on Brisbane Roar in the final game of the season. So that should be an absolute beauty. Perth glorious. Uh, did I say? Uh, I've got um, Brisbane Roar, Melbourne City. Is it? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's it. Remember, Carlos, where Puerto Rican girls hang out. We'll be there. Wherever you samba, rumba, and la bamba. We'll be there. Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet. We'll be there. Wherever gringos play football. We'll be there. We are the Four Diego's. Olay.